So talking about this uh, voluminous topic on love, and we're going through the character of it. And um, I said, love is patient. And says they love is patient, love is kind. Um, and I explained what patient and kindness was in the context of love. But look, it is not jealous. What is jealous? Jealousy is when someone strives for something that doesn't belong to them. It's it's off bounds. It's not. It's prohibition. It's not something that um, serves another person. In fact, if you were jealous of someone, what you are really saying is that they are not deserving and you are. Uh, I remember during the 90s, Jerry Springer made an entire career out of jealousy in relationships and then coming onto his show and fighting right there on stage, right? Fighting right there on stage. There's an example of, of jealousy. Jealousy is actually, one could say, covetousness, resentment, spitefulness, uh, uh, um, hatred all in one it, it's it's just a cocktail of negative emotions and so jealousy when somebody is jealous they're fixated on something that they want there another person has has anybody ever read a book it's a brilliant brilliant book by shakespeare called othello yeah. Okay. So there was a, a guy. Great. It's an incredible. Shakespeare was brilliant. Shakespeare was not just a, a literary genius. He was also as a psychology genius. He talks about this relationship, this guy. So there's this guy, Othello, and there's this other guy who pretends to like him. He wants everything that he has and he works stabbing this guy in the back all the time making this guy jealous even of his girlfriend this guy want, doesn't want to see have his girlfriend he wants to take that away from him he's just so 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 jealous of this guy here's another story about jealousy and actually jealousy and revenge has anybody ever heard of a, of a book called The Count of Monte Cristo by Alexander Dumas. There's yeah. another story of jealousy. Jealousy is this toxic emotion where instead of wanting the best for another person, which is the highest good, which is love, now you want the worst. Everything that this person has, like in The Count of Monte Cristo, one guy wanted his job, one guy wanted his, his woman, and another guy just wanted his entire being, and that was his best friend, right? And so jealousy, in fact, actually, when he was betraying him, his best friend, you know where he said, and this guy, the Count of Monte Cristo, Edmund, he was an ordinary person. 
his best friend was kind of a member of the aristocracy. And you know what he said when he asked him why he was betraying him? You know what he said to him? He said, because you're the son of a commoner and I should not want to be you. That's what he said to him when he was betraying him. And that's the thing is that what jealousy does, it gets people fixated. You would almost say on the Jerry Springer show, why don't these people get their own uh, 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 woman, their own man and all of this kind of stuff. But that, this is what jealousy does. It locks in on something that belongs to someone else. And once it does, you'll do anything to get the person out of the picture. You know what? So much jealousy has ended in the ultimate. What's the ultimate? Murder. Yes. So much jealousy. This is why I say hatred is, is, is a part of the cocktail of jealousy. Because the more, and there's so many people, the more they see this person with that person that they want, the more that they see this person living in this place that they want, the more that they see this person doing the job that they want, the more that they see them, they just want to obliterate that person. And so clearly, this is jealousy. It's this, this fixation on another person that you strive so much that the other person becomes an obstacle. You look at that person as being in the way of what you want. There's nothing else you can see. It's kind of like Eve in the garden. Boom. Satan told her about one tree. There's a forest in the garden. But the only thing she could see was that. And that's the same way with jealousy. And of course, having that kind of fixation, it's not conducive to love. Next, we say that. So love also does not brag, right? It, it doesn't brag. You know what bragging is? Bragging is essentially you elevating yourself above someone else. It's you vaunting yourself above someone. And bragging also just by its very nature can only really see yourself. And it's interesting that Paul has put jealousy and bragging close together because jealousy, you can only see yourself on what you want. You can't see anything else or there's a fixation. And it's the same way with bragging. You can only see yourself. And actually, a braggart, if somebody else comes along with, even though that person isn't bragging, but has bragging rights, meaning is somewhat better, then that boasting is likely to turn to jealousy. See, this is what I mean. With these negative emotions, don't ever think, oh, there's some demarcation line. One spills into another. One just spills into another. So if somebody is bragging, oh, I'm the best, I'm the best, and someone comes along that challenges their bragging rights, then that bragging person is likely to get jealous. 
So, so these things are almost like this, this uh, ungodly cocktail. Don't drink it. Don't drink it. Please do not. So somebody that brags cannot want a, the greater good for someone else. What does scripture say? Have this mind in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. You know what that piece of scripture, uh, Philippians 2, 5 to 11 is actually called? It's called the kenosis passage because kenosis is a Greek word for empty because it describes exactly what Jesus did. Somebody who's bragging is full of themselves. Somebody who's jealous is full of themselves the same way that, je that bragging connects to jealousy. Jealousy connects to bragging because if you are jealous of what someone wants, you're elevating yourself above that person because you believe that you deserve it and they don't. Do you know what I mean? How it spills one into another. So nobody can just say, oh, you know, what? Oh, I'm just jealous. That's all. No. Oh, I'm only a, I'm only arrogant. I'm only, I'm only a bragger. No, 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 no. Where there's one, there's all. Trust me on this. Where there is one, there is all. Because anybody who is a braggart is given Satan an open door into his life. Why did Satan get kicked out of heaven? I will, I will elevate my throne above God. I will elevate my throne above all of the stars. I, I, I. Jealousy of God, right? Jealousy started there. You know why? You know what, what Satan was dealing with? Satan was like one of these embezzlers that was made good. And these embezzlers, you know what they do? They get used to merchandising, meaning they get used now to working with money. Oh, wow. They won't miss this if I take this. You know what Satan was handling for God? The praise. The angels praise. Satan was an arch angel. He got used to, oh, wow, I'd like some of this. I, I'd like to be praised. I think that I, now I'm as good as God. Why should God get all of this praise? I deserve this stuff too. And this is where it all ended. Look who Satan become from boasting and bragging to lying, considered to be the father of all life. I mean, all evil emerged from that, right? So clearly all of this is antithetical to God. Anybody, anybody that is arrogant, it's the spirit of the Antichrist. Every single child of God and God himself is humble. God is humble. 
this elevated, this great lofty God that inhabits eternity is humble. The Bible say that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time. If God is love, which the Bible says that God is love, there is no arrogance whatsoever in God. And so if there's arrogance in us, it doesn't come from God. And arrogance actually essentially negates love because by the virtue of arrogance, it's all about wanting everything for yourself. And by virtue, by the nature of love, it's all about wanting the greater good for someone else. Those two cannot coexist, just like light and darkness cannot coexist. It cannot. So, so this is what Paul is describing here. Then look in verse five. Does not act unbecomingly. What's unbecomingly? Shamefully. Does not act in a shameful way. You know, somebody who loves someone would never, ever shame them. But the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sin, right? Love covers a multitude of sin. You know, love protects, even though we're going through this passage here in love, uh, about love, what we have to understand is this, is that these characteristics of love are representative and not exhaustive, meaning that there's more characteristics of love. Love is the nature of God. We're going to spend infinity, eternity, and there's no measure for that, understanding and getting to know God. And still, that is not going to be enough. Imagine trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of vast oceans like the Pacific and the Atlantic, and then you still wouldn't get close to the infinite nature of God. Right? So love does not act shamefully. So someone then, you know, someone would not want to embarrass. You know, there's a time, I don't know what was wrong I don't know what was uh, uh, wrong with it. I, I don't even remember now. But I remember I was at the checkout at uh, um, uh, this grocery store. I'll never, ever forget this, uh, this guy. And uh, my credit card didn't go through for I don't even remember why it didn't go through. But it didn't go through. And this wonderful young man, he kind of pulled me aside. Never ever forget, pulled me aside. And he just said, oh, sir. And I... I and, he was, there was no need for him to be embarrassed, but I could see that he was almost embarrassed telling me, oh, you know, uh, uh, yeah, it, it, it didn't go through. Do you want to try another car? Because there were people in the line. That's just an example of love. Not one to shame someone. You know, there's people at the checkout line that could, oh, yeah, the car didn't go through. Not caring whether you're embarrassed or not that's almost like shaming no this guy did in a very very tactful way you know oh you know it it, it it didn't go through i don't know if you want to use another card or whatever this is love 
Love doesn't cause us to embarrass people. You know, everybody's heard of, probably been involved when somebody's made a scene in public. Somebody just made a horrible, horrible scene in public, you know, and actually intentionally tried to shame the person. There's spouses who do that to, to their spouse, kids who do that to their parents, parents who do that to their kids. That is not love. Love does not shame. Love covers. It doesn't matter what has happened. Love does not shame. You know why love doesn't shame? Because love cares about the feelings of another. Whereas shame actually intentionally sets out to hurt another's feelings. Shame is intentional, right? Shame intentionally exposes another person's feelings, right? Shame actually says this, I am going to make you feel horrible, as horrible as you possibly can. So if you've ever done that or you do that, stop it because you are not showing love to the person. Remember the story of, uh, of Noah and his sons? One son essentially shamed his father for being drunk, right? The other one covered it up. Do you know Reagan in Illinois used to come back from high school almost every day and drag his father into the house because his father was so hammered. The lot many times have just passed out on the step, really. And he would drag his father into the house and kind of cover him up, put him in bed. Oh, you're okay now, dad, blah, blah, blah. That's love. That is love. You know, he didn't come home. Oh, you worthless drunk. What are you doing? That's love behaving shamefully. Right, so love, and it does. Look what he says. Then he says, it does not seek its own. Meaning that love isn't selfish, right? Love does not go after its own. No, love looks at the other person first before it even thinks about looking at itself. And that's what we're talking about with Christ, right? God demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Don't forget, Christ came out of glory. Christ came out of glory into darkness and was crucified by people he created, right? By people he created that clearly is someone not seeking anything of its own. In fact, the Bible says, talks about Christ's mission, that Christ came to came to seek and to save that that was lost. Nothing there about Christ seeking after his own. First Peter, John 3, verse 8. Jesus Christ was made manifest to destroy the work of the devil. 
uh, Hebrews 2, verse 14, I believe it was. And just as the children, us, were partakers of flesh and blood, he also put on flesh and blood so he could destroy the power of death and set us free from fear. So this is someone clearly who is not seeking his own at any juncture whatsoever. None whatsoever. Jesus said, when I asked Jesus why he's not eating, my work, my food is doing the will of him that sent me. You know, I, I'm telling you, folks, here's the reason why I'm so passionate about this topic, and I'm going to be on it for a while, is I believe if we can cultivate this, it's the answer to all of our problems. Really. It is the answer to all of our problems. If we can walk in this love, it's the answer to everything. Jesus said, in this world, you'll have trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. How did Jesus overcome the world? With love. With love. And then look what it says. <clears throat> it says, it is not provoked. It is not provoked. As we talked about last time, the whole idea of patience. If somebody is patient, they're not easily provoked. And so provocation here, what Paul is referring to, it does not easily become angry does not easily become angry. Because if you think about it, right, think about the, the unbecomingly, right, and what I said about not shaming people, so not shaming people because you care about another person's feelings. And that's why you would not be easily provoked because you don't want to be angry because you care about how another person would feel if you were angry with them. So there's a connection of the dots here. And so essentially what it's saying is that love would restrain itself from actually demonstrating or presenting this sentiment of provocation, anger, irritability. That's what love would do. Love then actually takes into account, not that I'm irritated, not that this person is getting on my nerves, but that this person may feel terrible if I get angry. And love is all targeted towards the other person. Here's what, here's what the emotions and the sentiment of God does. Here's what they do. Look at me, guys. Please look at me for a second. Here's what the oceans of God does. Everything that God is telling us to do here in this passage goes from us to the benefit of another. All of the ungodly emotions, jealousy, bragging, all of that, 
come from another to benefit us. Right? Because a braggart really wants people to tell, tell me how great I am. Tell me how great I am. That's it. They want worship, right? But they want, they want what another person has got. They want everything. They want to be the best. They believe that people are meant to service them rather than them servicing others. And then, so look, the other thing that he, that he says does not provoke, does not take into account a wrong suffered. Does not take into account any form of suffering. So people who love do not keep score. Oh, I remember 20 years ago. I remember 20 years ago when you did that thing to me. That's not what they do. In fact, doesn't scripture say that our sin is in God's sea of forgetfulness? Now, I guarantee you, God does not have dementia or Alzheimer's. No, no. It's intentionally in God's sea of forgetfulness. It never, ever comes up again. It's like it didn't happen. And this is what God wants with us. He wants the issue to be totally settled, not keeping score of these wrongs. And if you are keeping score anyway, you know what's going to be happening? You're percolating, percolating inside of you, resentment vindictiveness, spitefulness, all of these things are going on inside of you. And what do all of these things do? Negate love, really, all of these things. So you gotta get it out of the container. And I'm not meaning, not, not suppressing it so other people don't know, no, you and God both know, right? So does that take into account? Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, right? So have you ever seen a, 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 a kid in a playground where uh, uh, his friend trips up and falls and he hurts himself and the kid will start laughing? That's what love is not. No, love would go to that kid. Are you okay? Are you all right? Wow, uh, are you fine? Are you sure? Love would be concerned. Love also does not rejoice in anybody's downfall or anybody's comeuppance or anything like that. No, no. Then look what he says. But rejoices with the truth. Love rejoices with the truth. And I'm going to end right here. So what does it, it mean? Rejoices with the truth. So love understands that the best thing for a person is telling the person the truth. Some people think, oh, you know what? You know, I know I'm lying, but it's the best thing for them. No, it's not. No, it's not. Reality is the best thing for anybody. No, it's not. Jesus called the Pharisees 
um, of the father, uh, of their father, the devil, who is the father of all lies. Once you actually lie to someone, you're polluting love. Love is light. Lies are darkness. It can't be done. You can't make your own concoction. No, it rejoices with the truth. You know, well, a lot of times the truth does sting. Really, the truth does sting, but people have got to have it. I have told people, I mean, when I was a, um, a police chaplain, I was required to give people bad news. I give people bad news in counseling all the time that they don't like. But I'll just say this, even though it's tough in the moment, it's good for them long-term. And I think I gave an example the other day about almost treating a wound, right? Sometimes it stings putting alcohol on a wound, right? All times it stings actually putting alcohol on a wound, but it's the best thing for it long-term. Right, we can't sugarcoat anything because sugarcoating is just really trying to make someone feel good in the moment at the expense of them being good long-term, right? So, so love rejoices in the truth, even though the truth, the truth may sting right now, but it will help long term.